0: you think about we always have expectations i mean we might we might go to a uh, to an event a show something and maybe a new class saying i didn't know what to expect don't know what to expect and yet still there are we we come we go we with expectations. There's something there that, uh, that kind of uh, opens minds, our mind or our motivation. What do you expect? What do you expect from church? What do you expect from God? A year or two back, we, at least uh, Debbie and I talked about the book, Great Expectations. And, uh, some of us have kind of looked back on that that reading from, from school days. And I actually read it again at that time and uh, still don't know what the Great Expectations were. Uh, but... It was certainly a much more interesting uh, reading for a man of 60-some years um, than for, for a boy of 17. But um, So we have expectations, and I don't want you to hear this morning that having expectations is a bad thing in and of itself. But realistically, we have to acknowledge that great expectations can lead to to great disappointments. I mean, that's that's what disappointments are made of, right? It's when expectations are not realized. So we would ask this morning, we would look, we would look to scripture, we would look to God's word. What then should, should define our expectations? How would, how would God's word lead us so that what we realize, what we encounter, what we have is not great disappointments, but is there great joy? We turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, and I want to read beginning at verse 23. A good transition point in the scripture. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he that was Jesus, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, As we consider this text, let's note that the term signs in the Gospel of John is synonymous with uh, what we would understand to be miracles. So John calls miracles signs, and that is that these these events, these occasions, these happenings of what happens uh, is is a sign. The miracle is is pointing to something. So that's what John means by signs. And Jesus had become very popular, very popular with people who were attracted to his power to work miracles, miracles of healing, power over nature, creating food for everyone, even raising the dead. Back to life. Attracted, people were falling all over themselves to get close to Jesus. Here was a man with charisma greater than Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Celebrity doesn't begin to describe how people flocked to Jesus. More than Jesus Christ superstar. For these people, he was the cure for cancer, Grandma's Home Cooking, and General George Patton all rolled into one. Yes, he was, he had a following. But then, we look for that oh-so-important, little-bitty word, but Jesus. But Jesus. So we have a a turnover here, a a flip-flop, a reversal, but Jesus. And now we are, as so often we are in the Bible, confronted with the great contrast between what people are doing and what God is doing. Man's will, God's will. But Jesus, but God, but God the Son. And What we see here is an encounter, a contrast between what people thought and what Jesus knew. For these people, in these early days of Jesus' earthly ministry, they had expectations. They had a growing expectation that this superstar, this this healer, this, this giver of gifts, this great, Man was going to destroy, miraculously, by his power, destroy the hated Roman occupation army there in Israel and restore their nation, restore their nation to its former greatness as known under their King David. Many believed in his name. Means that a lot of people had bought in to this expectation. Many people believed in his name. Many people were expecting great things out of this man. However, this was not what Jesus was expecting. This was not what Jesus was preaching. Not what Jesus had been encouraging in these people. And so Jesus, knowing what he knew, Jesus knowing what they thought, Jesus, aware of their expectations, did not entrust himself to them. What they thought they wanted was not what Jesus knew they needed for a, a physical conquest of the world, the, the fulfillment of their expectations. This 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 conquest. This exaltation of a of a a worldwide uh, reign and rule, this would do the people no good. And from that day, if, if you reflect on on all of history up to that time, we see that God was proving this point time and time again. Remember the flood? What was that all about? God God looked down upon the earth and he saw that it was full of what? It was full of evil. And God said, forgive the paraphrase, but God said, I ain't putting up with this. And he brought that great flood and, and he wiped out all of the evil mankind save Noah and his family. And then he he, he dried up all that water. The dry land came out. Noah and his family stepped out of the ark, having been saved by God's grace from this, this calamity, this destruction. And they walked out on dry land. And how long did it take How long did it take before they were right back where they had been? How long did it take before evil once again reigned in the earth? God called a people. God created a people. A people that would be the the exhibition of His word, His will, His glory in the earth. He called a people... For himself to, to serve him and to obey him, that the world would know that he is the Lord God. And he brought them, he brought them into a land that was described as flowing with milk and honey. And how long did it take? Not very long. And we read from God's word throughout the history of that land that God would bless, God would grant mercy, God would give them the the fruits of the land. They would turn against Him. They would do their own thing. Evil would prevail, and they're right back. God would call them once again. God would bring them once again to repentance, to look to Him would turn to him, serving the Lord God. Bam! Right back. So Jesus knows. Jesus knows this is not what people need. This is what, not what the world needs. The expectation of this, this crowd, these followers, these people who have, have every sense of his, his marvelously wonderful greatness, He knows that their expectations are not what they truly need. But rather, God had a plan. God had not been failing. God wasn't failing in His purpose for creation during all this time. But rather, God was demonstrating His purpose for his creation, a purpose that that wouldn't last just a few years, a purpose that wouldn't just last a a hundred years, a purpose that, that wouldn't last just for a millennium, God was demonstrating that he was going to accomplish his purpose for his creation that would last for all of eternity. Jesus Jesus knew what was in man. Jesus knew that what the world needed was not physical change. What the world needed was a spiritual change. So we pick up the story. Unfortunately, A great big fat three has been interposed in the scripture. But it's a continuation of the same story. And we pick up at John chapter 3 and verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For most all of us, this is not an unfamiliar text. And I don't want to spend a a lot of time on Nicodemus. For I think it suffices if we just recognize that Nicodemus is every man Nicodemus is everybody for Nicodemus in this text in verses 1 through 15 is paralleled with the world in verses 16 through 19 so Nicodemus is representative of mankind and as Jesus speaks to Nicodemus He is speaking to all the girl, all the world. Again, we see a a confrontation between what a man thought and what Jesus knew. A powerful man, a learned man, a religious man, a singular man. He avoids the crowds, and he finds Jesus in the evening for a personal face-to-face interview. He's respectful, complimentary, and allows that the signs Jesus does, remember the miracles, he allows that the signs Jesus does are, in fact, his bona fides. They accredit Jesus with the required wisdom and power to grant Nicodemus, the world, what he desires. But Jesus, on his part, (laughs) did not entrust himself to him. Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. Jesus responds directly to the man's greatest need. Truly, truly, Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus knows that The man has come to him out of an expectation, out of a desire that that he would would commune with God. He wants to, to be with God, to live with God, to be like God. I hope that phrase rings a bell with you. Because we know somebody else that wanted to be like God. He wants to get away from the evil, the hatred, the suffering, the death that is the plight of all men. Knowing this, Jesus tells him what is required. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. but the man would spar with the Son of God. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter again into his mother's womb would be preposterous foolishness? A physical impossibility. Jesus guides this inquirer for God so loved the world. Jesus guides this inquirer away from the impossible and to the profound. Your physical birth has given you physical life. If you would have spiritual life, You must be born again, spiritually. And that which is spirit is not to be discerned physically, but rather that which is spirit is experienced spiritually. Continuing, wanting to get a handle on what Jesus is saying, Remember, he he started by saying that he believed Jesus could answer his question because of the signs Jesus had done. Jesus had his bona fides, that he had the knowledge, the wisdom, and the power that he could answer this question. He has acknowledged that Jesus is a great teacher. Even a man come from God. A great religious teacher to be respected, to be listened to, to be understood. How can these things be? I'm reluctant to cast aspersions onto modern-day religion. But perhaps you can discern the parallel for yourself. Jesus, once again, directs the man's misdirection. Jesus tells him, your criteria is all wrong. The standard by which you measure possibility is not God's standard. You elevated yourself to the lofty heights of teacher of Israel without being a student of Israel. As God the Father has made himself known in Israel as His prophets have spoken His promises to His people, you should have no doubt as to who you stand before, and yet you doubt. Yet you do not believe. And so Jesus points out Jesus helps the man recognize that unbelief begets unbelief. All that God has made known was available to this teacher of Israel. And here before him was the fulfillment of God's word. And he did not believe. So if he did not believe what was available to him plainly before his eyes in this very world, in this realm, he certainly would not, could not believe spiritual truth. Nicodemus Your hope is in the sovereign will of God. As He miraculously healed those who looked upon the serpent that Moses held aloft, so Jesus will be held aloft as the Messiah, the Christ. The fulfillment of God's purpose to give eternal life to those who believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The ways of man have not changed. The heart of humanity is as hard as a rock. We still want to see military victory in the world. We still want to see success that comes with a chicken in every pot. We still want to build a Tower of Babel according to our own wisdom, according to our own intellect, according to our own power, according to our own morality. We still want God to do our bidding. And so many, so very many, are so often disappointed that God is not a puppet to be manipulated by us. Great expectations that lead to great disappointment. God has not and will not, for he does not change. He will not condescend. He will not not come down to join mankind in his folly. God has accomplished his purpose. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he has provided all that is needed All that we need, all that the world needs for life and all that He expects is faith, whoever believes in Him. Disappointments arise from expectations. We all experience that. We all know that. Families that don't meet our expectations. The job doesn't measure up a church that doesn't have what we're looking But to be disappointed in God is the greatest disappointment. We must not come to Him with our minds made up of what we require of Him. We may not form God to meet our expectations. Faith in God, to believe in His Son, is to trust in Him. Not that He must trust in us. Trust in His Word. Adopt His truth. And adapt our lives to His expectations. Jesus has told us heavenly things. Glorious, marvelous, wonderful, heavenly things. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, he is... He's not to be held in our hands, nor embraced in our arms. Not to be tasted, not seen. Nothing that we can mold to fit our own desires. Therefore, most are disappointed in these heavenly things. What Jesus offers is not what they want. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Our Father, we praise you and give you thanks for the power and the truth of your word, and that in your word we come to know our Savior, the glorious Son of God. We pray, O God, that you would grant to us according to your will for your glory, that we would have ears to hear Hearts to receive your truth, your message for the lives of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.